if we may. Gracious God, we give you thanks for this morning. Uh, we lift up to your care those who are running up and down our streets. We pray that you will keep them healthy, uh, that injuries will be few, that successes will be many, that um, the wonder of the morning for Canton in the race will help us overcome the, the grief we suffered last night in the Big Ten. <laughs> Guide and guard us as we gather together to consider sabbatical. <sighs> and that which is part of my own life story. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Okay. Yeah, my wife, um, my wife is in Chicago today actually running the half marathon that's there. She just couldn't do the whole marathon, so she's off doing that. Next week, just so you're aware, what? Oh, good idea, thank you. Um, Zach and Allie and Jeannie will be here and we're kind of working out a, you know, the Von Trapp family kind of thing. Um, figure out how they can share, you know, some of the insights that they've had in our time together. Um, so pray for Zach, because Zach is not the kind of guy who really likes to stand up in front of other people. And, and uh, so it'll be, a, it'll be a challenge for him, I'm sure. Um, but, and it'll be interesting for me. Anyway, sabbatical. Um, how many times have you heard this? We're going to go through it week by week, and um, I'm just going to try to give you some, a feel for an everyday, um, and maybe even um, some gleanings, although those will really come, I think, in the third and fourth week. Um, but there were some things that I think worked, and there were some things that did not work. There were some things that um, succeeded, and there were some things that really, I think, failed. And um, I'm, I'm learning in the, the days post-sabbatical to be okay with all that. Um, I think I set kind of a high bar there for myself, and so now I'm learning to, what's the dance where you go under the bar rather than over the bar, um, settling with that. Um, as most of you know, I started the first week of May. And um, I started with a week of photography in um, Traverse City. This young woman is Beth Price. Boy, that's not showing up real well, is it? Turn off more lights? How dark shall we be? Um, Beth is a photojournalist, um, and she was in my youth groups when I was in Traverse City. This was a total surprise. What I had called up there to um, ask her if there was somebody she could recommend to give me photography classes for a week, one-on-one. -on -one. It was the only way I was gonna learn this. Uh, Hands-on, somebody putting my fingers where they needed to go and, and all that. So I called Beth and said, Beth, I need a reference. And she looked at her calendar and she said, David, I'm going to be in the United States and I'm going to be at home. She still makes her home in Traverse City. And I would love to do that. So um, a couple things happened there that to me are quite fascinating. Um, first of all, I, I got a pretty good grasp of photography. That's fascinating for me because this is something I've wanted to do for 10 years. And um, I don't have a mechanical mind, as you all know. Um, and I really did need somebody with patience to just take me through and show me from the beginning um, and of course, now the computer's all involved. You don't just take your film to the, the pharmacy anymore. And now, now it's this big project. Uh, and you can change pictures and stuff. It's, it's amazing. Anyway, um, so that worked. What was interesting about this week is Beth emailed the kids that were still in Traverse City back when I was there that are still in Traverse City. And she kind of surprised me one of the nights with a reunion. Typically, we would have met in the big fellowship hall of the church, but now they are all 40 years old. And so we met at the bar. <laughs> there, is a, there are a couple brew pubs in, in Canton and, uh, or in Traverse City, and we met in one of those. We kind of took over a second floor. And there were about 17 of them that, that showed up, which is really kind of amazing at least to me. And several of them um, 
when I walked in the door, they were, this gets a little hard. Um, they, they had brought their spouses and their children. And they just wanted me to meet their kids and, and, and their spouse if I didn't know them. And then the spouse and the kids took off so that we could go to the bar. Um, but it was, it, it was both humbling and exciting and... Um, the words are still coming to me, by the way. Um, it was an amazing experience to see so many of these kids who are not kids anymore. Um, they're balding, they're going gray. Uh, they have children and careers. And um, it was just one of those moments in my life where that I will never forget. And so when the first thing they do is, okay, now we're gonna start talking memories. And, and so we are ending up with a lot of laughing and a lot of crying. And um, it has gotten me to re-reflect or reflect again on my personal story in Traverse City. Um, and before we go any farther, I, I probably just need to tell you that the one thing I've really discovered out of all of this is that this is going to take me a long time to process that so much happened in three months and so much of it functioning at a level that I can only delve into for short briefs of time and then I got to hop back out and hit the real world um, that I imagine it's going to take me some time to, to process the, those three months um, in, in old familiar places and in new places. So if, if you have questions, feel free to ask and don't be surprised if I say, oh, I never thought about that because it... it it is a kind of, I'm kind of like on information overload. And uh, I don't know how Dr. Kinzel was able to, to process all that he did, but, but it's going to take me a lot longer than it took him. Anyway, as you may remember, part of all this was going back to look at my own story. Once I got into professional ministry, professional ministry like that, once I got married, once I had kids, life begins to become a highway. And um, I realized two years ago that I had not taken the time I needed to take in order to, to find God in my own story. So God has been active, I know, in my life. And you can see God in the big things, you know, the, finding Jeannie in the first place, marrying her, having children, uh, moving to a new congregation, the big ones you can see God at work in. But it's the little ones that escape us, the everyday ones that escape us. So part of this was taking time to go back over my own past and to search for ways that, that God was there and present to remember. And so this reunion, unplanned, unexpected, um, also just played right into exactly what I was hoping to do. And one of the things that, that my Traverse City years have left me with is um, a sense of failure. Um, and let me explain that briefly. When I speak of failure, we will understand that that church, when, when I got there, Homer Nye, who many of you have met, was the senior pastor. I was the associate pastor. I was there for 14 years. And the church went from 400 to 1,400. Uh, in other words, it was a growing church. You're adding 75 people a year. Even that's after the, the death rolls are, you know, subtracted. Um, but I have seen that as fluff. In other words... I, I still see the Traverse City Church in many ways as a membership church. Um, not so much as a social club, but I don't think we demanded much of people there. And they didn't demand much out of us, and they didn't demand much out of God. And so reflecting on that has always been a bit of a, a downer for me. Fast growth, but uh, the, the Missouri River, okay? a mile wide, an inch deep. Well, meeting with these folks in the loft of a bar 
for two hours was an awakening for me. And it was truly God's grace at work when I realized that 15 of them are still at the Presbyterian Church of Traverse City. Two of them have gone to other churches, um, mostly because of their spouses. Six of them currently serve on the session. Three currently serve on the Board of Deacons. And all of them could talk about their faith story. And so for me, going back and reviewing life, I've now got to kind of go back and and realter what I took away from Traverse City because it will have, it, it continues to have implications for who I am and how I think of ministry, how it is to be done, um, and for whom it is done, uh, interestingly enough. The ultimate answer there is Christ, of course, but um, more on that perhaps later. So Traverse City started this whole thing out with a rather large bang in terms of trying to connect with my own personal story again. Um, following that week, I left for the Abbey of Iona, um, and this was um, an attempt to study a little more deeply Celtic theology, which we'll get into again two weeks from today. Um, but it was it was also intended by myself to be uh, intentional about going to. Um, sacred places, uh, being among sacred people. And I can't define for you what I mean by sacred people, by the way. Um, but a people who have who've defined themselves in such a way radically uh, in all of the abbeys I went to and the convent, in all, of those pe- in all those places, they have identified themselves rather radically with Jesus. And so maybe that's what I mean when I talk about sacred people. I don't know, but that's, that's my sense of it. Um, here I was confronted with part of the Reformed tradition that I've always struggled with, and that is our emphasis on sin. Um, you all know the rubric we follow on Sunday morning, and um, I'm, I'm not bound to change that. I wouldn't change it if I could, Um, I think it's a very important rubric. But it's a rubric that you've got to be careful with in life. Um, And Celtic theology, one of its main tenets, challenges us on the idea uh, of total depravity. And so, uh, weaving weaving some of this stuff in, um, has, as I've said, challenged challenged my theology on some of this stuff and and this is the kind of stuff that just doesn't, I just don't come home and say okay, now I believe this uh, on the contrary it, it has to be woven into to my whole life story um, and my experience and then of course it all goes before scripture so that, that's what's happening I was expecting um, um, Iona to be a place of quiet it was not, not even a little bit. Well, maybe a little bit. Um, but Iona's theology is one of community. So every week a new group comes, and their purpose is to create a community. So there's not a lot of silence. There's all this group stuff you gotta do. And I don't do group stuff really well. Um, I am an introvert in so many ways, and, and the thought of just going up and introducing myself to be, you know, I mean, you know, you've been there. Um, so there was no quiet there. The quiet that I was seeking was not to be found there. But an understanding of what it is to be a people was gleaned from this place. And, and we'll go over that. Actually, that's part of today's sermon, as are the Birkenstocks. So... Um, do not worry that I do not have shoes and socks on today. You can see my Big Ten right there um, t- today. And um, back to the Oxfords next week. Yes? When you say we all know your rubric that we follow, can you tell us what you mean by that? Okay. You got it. 
we start our worship, um, I'll do it as I do it in a funeral service because people that come to a funeral service at Christ Church are often surprised, if not shocked, that we offer a confession of sin before we do almost anything else. We call ourselves to worship as on Sunday. We acknowledge the fact that we are called people. We're not here because we so much decided what a great idea, but because the Holy Spirit forces us to come. It's, it's, it's wooed us to come. Um, and then we move into this, this immediate, and then we praise God with him, and then we praise God again with a prayer of adoration, and then we move into this rubric of confession, a call to confession, um, which is, basically comes down to we all need to confess our sin before God, before we do anything else. And then we offer our prayer of confession, and then we acknowledge God's pardon. And at the funeral service, what I'll tell people is, why do we do this? We do this because, for one thing, it acknowledges who we are. We understand who we are. And we certainly understand who we are in in the presence of God. But it also cleanses us for what comes next. And what comes next? Proclamation, yes, but that's all part of that rubric. What comes after the proclamation? And we sing a little ditty. Oh, folks, come on. The word. The word comes next. Scripture reading. So part of Calvin's understanding is that, is, is that you offer your prayer of confession and you are cleansed and you are freed. And the spirit is more welcome within you. And therefore you can hear the word more clearly. Um, it's very intentional. There are problems with it, which we'll, we'll get to. But um, it's very intentional, and it is for a purpose. And the purpose is that engagement with Scripture. Every time we hear the call to, to confession, I'm trying to think if I've made this so or not, um, there should be an appeal to the Holy Spirit. No, that's the... the that's the prayer of illumination. If we were wise, we would also have that at the prayer of confession. That is one insight I've kind of gleaned. Does that help? Okay. Um, no quiet on this island, just amazing history, um, incredible people, and um, amazing scenery. Truly amazing scenery. Um, from there I went to the Plus Garden Abbey. Um, this is up near, it, it's actually um, west of Inverness in Elgin, which we would pronounce Elgin, E-L-G-I-N. They pronounce it Elgin. Um, it's up in the highlands, the, the, um, the eastern highlands. Um, no words, no speaking. Um, for one half hour a day, I could talk to the the monk who is the guestmeister, guest master. Sorry, guestmeister. <laughs> That's over in Germany, um, the guest master. And if he didn't have any questions, he didn't want to talk. Um, it's amazing how silence speaks. They worship in if in uh, if at Iona they worshipped twice a day, um, in the abbeys. They worship seven times a day plus mass. And I mentioned that in a sermon already. You start at 3.45 in the morning. And last service starts at 7.30 and is over by 8. And they all go to bed. Um, the worship at Plus Garden is all song Gregorian chant. No word, no, no, no spoken word. None of it. Any of it. It's all sung. And if this were a better picture of the... Uh, of the monks, you'd see they're all somewhat elderly, and yet their voices, amazing, truly, truly amazing. I did not feel terribly welcome here. Um, I felt more like an intruder. Um, I don't think that was their intent, but their job is not to entertain me. 
And I think I had some notion that maybe they would entertain me a little bit. Uh, talk with me, sit with me, tell me about their lives. Their job is to worship, to pray, and to work. And a little bit more on the work when we, when we come to worship this morning. Um, this was a, also one of the more difficult weeks away. Uh, as I also mentioned in the sermon, I was terribly homesick this week. Um, and Jeannie and I were having a hard time communicating because up there you, only, you, could, you could only get internet at McDonald's. McDonald's closes at 10 o'clock. That's, four, that's, that's 6 o'clock our time, 5 o'clock, 5 o'clock our time. Jeannie wasn't even home from work, so we're trying to communicate through email because she can't call. Cell phones are worthless. Um, and so it was truly one of those barren moments in my life where all I wanted to do was hear Jeannie's voice. All I wanted to do was talk to Zach. I just wanted to hug Allie. Um, and there was no way to do it. Just no way to do it. And so this was really one of the more barren weeks of my life. Um, and I, I, I can and I can't compare it to Jesus out in the wilderness um, in, in, the, in the fact that there just didn't seem to be anyone to turn to but God. And so a lot of this week was spent as I'd really hoped it would be, but not for the reasons I wanted it to be. Uh, I wanted it to be a time of prayer because I had decided it was to be a time of prayer. And it turned out to be a time of prayer because prayer is what I needed because, it's, because my insides were falling apart. Um, so a, a, a fascinating, wonderful week, um, yet ruinous in so many ways, short term, of course. Um, we're now heading about 200 miles south down the middle of Scotland to um, Perth, which is almost the very center of Scotland. And uh, a nunnery or a convent, they call, they call it a retreat center. Um, seven women who welcome people all the time. And this little thing, this little place with the roof was where I stayed. It was originally part of a big estate this was the walled-in garden. Those walls are 18 feet. And it goes all around. And there are probably eight acres. It's huge. And all that brick and all that stone. Um, this was originally the apple house. This is where they stored apples. Um, and now it's a very modern and welcoming uh, place to be. Um, here for the first time in an awfully long time, I underwent some spiritual formation. I met with one of the nuns five mornings uh, for an hour and a half. And we just spent time talking about my own spiritual journey, what I sensed I needed, where I sensed I was going, and how to get there. Um, she introduced me, reintroduced me to the use of icons. Um, this is part of the Sisters of Charity. Uh, these, they're of that school. Uh, they focus on education and justice issues. Um, but she was an expert in um, Ignatius spiritual exercises, um, which some of you have begun to engage with me, and in fact, the big surprise for me was she told me to stop it. And I'll explain that to the group when we meet. But um, she introduced me to icons, um, which is really just uh, a way to focus. It's a tool. It's none of those things that we as Reformed Protestants want to accuse it of being and, and all of that fun stuff, but um, it truly amazed me. And as a matter of fact, a, a gift I brought back to the congregation, two gifts are both icons, um, and they can hang in the hall, and we'll use them during um, Tazay worship services if, if we choose. Um, but I continue my work with, with icons and scripture. Um, and I can't, uh, again, I'm still at that point where so much of it is beyond my language, my words, my explanation, my explaining. Um, and yet things seem clearer now than ever before. It's that interesting sense of dichotomy. Um, here, like in Plus Garden, I was able to walk and walk and walk and walk up through the hills and the fields and the, the pastures. 
Um, I have a series of photographs that scared the living daylights out of me. I'm walking down this two-lane path in the middle of nowhere, and um, all of a sudden, off in the distance, there's this herd of cattle running at me, towards me. <laughs> uh, now they're in a they're they're wired in, but that wire looked really pale um, and really rusted. And as they approached me, they slowed down, and they hung their heads over the wire, and they just looked at me, all of them, <laughs> every one of them. They just sat there and stared at me. And so I'd walk this way, <laughs> and all these little cow heads turn, and, and I walk the other way, and the cow heads turn. And they look angry. They are angry-looking critters. And it really spooked me. It really spooked me. I, I, I really didn't know what to make of it. I, to tell you the truth, I got out of there pretty quickly. <laughs> I just was not comfortable. Um, of course, um, the lambs and sheep are everywhere, and so I actually got some good pictures of those too, but that was much gentler. Um, accountability. What was I going to say about accountability? That goes back to icons and, oh, spiritual direction. Um, most of us are going to assume that we are accountable to God for our spiritual journey. And that's a really nebulous thought, isn't it? It's really comforting, comforting because it's really another way of saying, eh, come say, come say. Um, but is that the beginning and the end of it? Uh, one of the things that I, I really began to understand at um, Garden Cottage was the idea and the understanding that we need to be accountable to other people if we are a community. And that is also part of sermon stuff today, so. Um, okay. We're on week five already. Time is flying for me. Um, and the DeVries family has flown to Scotland to join me. I think I mentioned, excuse me, I think I mentioned this, that um, at this point I was so incredibly lonely and anxious to see my wife and my children that I got to the airport very early <laughs> and I'm just sitting there and as the time gets closer, I ask one of the information booths, where's the first place I can go to see the plane flying in? And the guy thinks about it for a little while, and he says, well, the best place to go is the top deck of the parking deck. So I got my camera, and I went up to the top deck of the parking lot, or parking deck, and watched my watch. And it's not like it's a huge, busy airport, so a plane, you know, you see the light way off in the distance. And I just started taking pictures <laughs> of my family arriving. Um, and as it rolled in, I ran from the parking deck, of course, to wait. Of course, they've got to go through customs and all that. So it was a, a long wait. Um, but that, uh, again, it, it, as an American, I'm taught from the beginning that I am self-sufficient. I am independent. I am my own agency. And what I'd already learned on the fifth week of this thing is that's just garbage. Uh, it's garbage for me and it's garbage for you. Um, we are so interdependent uh, and if we get to the point where we can begin to accept that and understand that, then that also takes us to a different place in our faith because if we are not independent, then we are truly dependent and we're therefore in this ladder of dependencies is Christ. Um, this is the beginning of four weeks together. Gulp. Two teenagers, 15 and 17. Um, in some ways, I now understand we were learning to be a family all over again. In that, um, for better or worse, I'm a busy man. And my wife is a busy woman. And my children are busy children. And one of the things I'm most grateful for in the life of this congregation, I, I, I don't think I was here a week. I may have been two weeks here. And Greg Glenville called and made an appointment with me. And he already knows where I'm going with this. Um, and I said, I want to come and talk with you. And so we went up to the upper room, Cleveland, 
the upper office that I have. And, and what he told me has profoundly impacted my ministry here. It's profoundly impacted my life. He said, the first thing of importance is your family. And that is to be the center. And I've, I think I have pretty well attempted to keep that piece of wisdom. And yet, we live in busy seasons. And so, in some ways, as I look back at this time, it was like, okay, now I gotta live with these people for four weeks. <laughs> I cannot do my um, introvert thing of taking off when I want to just be quiet and still the voices. Um, we are together. So, this is the beginning, this is the beginning of the beginning of the four weeks together. And um, it's the beginning of learning to temper some hopes and dreams that I had about our time together. Because you see, I figured my children would want nothing to do but to get up at seven o'clock in the morning and start seeing all the grand sights. <laughs> I really had counted on the fact that we were doing this trip at a point in the a their ages where they would be able to remember everything and get engaged in everything and know enough about history to, what a bunch of garbage that was too. <laughs> um, Zach doesn't get up till noon. <laughs> you know, he, he just doesn't. He, unless he's got class and then he comes home and takes a nap. He, he's gonna run whether he's in Scotland or in, in Canton, Ohio. He's gonna do his running. So, um, the most excellent thing was born out of this. And that is this. That Jeannie and I had the mornings to ourselves. So Jeannie and I, especially by the time we got to Rome, we figured this all out. We'd take off in the morning, tour whatever it is we knew they would argue most about going to see. <laughs> and, and then we'd come back at noon They'd be ready, we'd go grab lunch, and then we'd go do the big stuff. Um, so it turned out to be just these incredible opportunities to be with Jeannie and with my family. Who would have thought? Um, I had one particular incredible experience with Allie um, in Scotland. She fell in love with Edinburgh. We all did, I think I've mentioned that before too. We would all go back to Edinburgh I wonder if there's a church opening over there. <laughs> um, but Allie is 15, and what more do I need to say? She's 15. Um, but we just took off one morning. We were going to try to find the church at Roswell, or Roslyn, and that, uttered in, that ended in utter failure. We were just totally lost. So we went back to the hotel, and everybody's angry with everybody else, so Allie wants to go for a walk. So we go for a walk down, down downtown Edinburgh, and and there's this little resale shop she decided, well, we spent an hour and a half in a resale shop in Edinburgh. That wasn't on my agenda. <laughs> it really wasn't. And yet, it is one of the most memorable times that I had with her on the trip, just watching her. And there's nothing there for me to, you know, extra, extra large, nothing. Um, and then across the street was this place called Alley's. So we took her picture standing underneath the sign that said Alley's. Um, so again, the least planned out thing turned out to be one of the most phenomenal. Uh, what started as kind of a family getting upset with each other because nobody could get directions and figure it out, and I'm driving a car that's got the steering wheel on the wrong side of the car, and they're driving on the wrong side of the road, and it, it you know, but out of that is born this just this incredible, really ended up being about three hours of time uh, with my daughter that I would not have had here. Week seven is Rome. We flew from Scotland to Rome. Um, I wouldn't go back. I enjoyed it. I wouldn't go back. It, it's um, The Vatican Museum, by the way, is unbelievable. <laughs> I could have spent a week there, but I had a 15 and a 17-year-old with me, so I got an hour. Um, <laughs> truly amazing. Um, but the heat, uh, trying to find your way around, around Rome is next to impossible. There is no such thing as a straight street. They're all very narrow. Um, and, you know, 
if you live in Cleveland, Cleveland Avenue goes from, I don't know how far south, but in North, in North Canton, it becomes Main Street. Okay, so you got lots of blocks there. In Rome, Cleveland would have, you know, are there 100 blocks there maybe? They'd have 100 different names. Every block is named differently. So even to find the thing on the, you know, and then you'd have the alleys, which look like streets, but really aren't, and some streets that look like alleys, but they're streets. It was, and the Vatican was a huge disappointment, um, only because they were having these stupid peace talks <laughs> between the Israelites and, um, and the Palestinians. And so it was basically closed. Uh, the whole time we were there. We got into St. Um, Peter's Basilica, um, and I really messed up with my camera there, so I don't even have any good pictures of it. But um, all in all, I mean, again, wonderful family time. You see things there that uh, predate Christ. Uh, what can you say? But I wouldn't, I wouldn't race back. Uh-oh, what did I do? I went the wrong way. Um, Vernadza is part of the Cinque Terre region up on um, the very north coast. If you were to keep going around the coast, you'd come to, what's the part of France that's so ritzy? I think it's France. Riviera. Isn't that France? Um, this is the seaside. This was Jeannie's dream, to spend time at the seaside, and it, it really was remarkable. Um, and it is here I learned to read again. Um, and I don't mean theology, I don't mean Bible. I, I read a novel, which was quite novel for me. It, and I just got lost in it. It was, um, I can't even think of it now. <laughs> it was really good. <laughs> um, but I haven't read a novel in I don't know how long. And so I read this 900-page novel sitting on the beach um, because there wasn't else, much else to do. I had to relax here. There were no plans to be made here. Um, the most exciting thing here was, it's on the cliffs, so you have to walk up 120 stairs to get to your hotel room. And then you have to go back down, and then you have to go back up. So once you're there, you're there. <laughs> and getting back down again is, or go, you, know, you, you limit your journeys. Once you're down, you're down for the day. <laughs> And um, we, even, we even had a porter take our bags up because there was no way I was carrying, you know, I was packed for eight weeks. Um, anyway, it was, it was beautiful, unbelievable beauty. Um, and again, unbelievable family time. They slept until noon, Jeannie and I. There are five little villages all set in a row and you can walk from one to the other. There are no cars, just a train that can take you. Beautiful seaside. Um, if I say much more, you'll get jealous. Florence, we then went, went to Florence. We stopped at Pisa for a day. The Leaning Tower really does lean. And Zach and I were the only ones that went to the top, but you get, off the, you get up on the top and you know, there are certain places where you just feel like, yeah, I'm gonna fall off. It's just kind of bizarre. Um, they just gotten done with a $32 million restabilization program, so. <laughs> Phew. This is a picture of the Pitti Palace. Um, gorgeous place. Um, part of one of the big families that ruled forever and ever and ever. Um, the museums in, in Florence are phenomenal. Uh, those of you who have been here, you know what I mean. Uh, I had a special night with Zach here. Um, the World Cup was going on at this point. And so Zach, of course, is trying to keep up with what his friends are doing back here, and he knows what they're all doing is watching World Cup soccer, because we do that every, what, four years or two years. Um, and so he came to me and he asked me if we could go find a place to watch Britain play Italy. I said, sure, that sounds like a lot of fun. He says, good, the game starts at one o'clock in the morning. And it did. It started at one o'clock in the morning. <laughs> and uh, so I am a great dad. <laughs> I'm telling you right now, I am a great dad. I, um, 
we got there about 12 o'clock. We were fortunate to get a seat, only to find out that it was reserved because nobody, there's no reserve sign. There's, no, there's nothing. You just, manager came over, said, sorry, this table's reserved. So we were able to get two seats at the bar uh, with my 17-year-old son. Um, and the game was about two hours. I think I got in bed about 3.30. Italy lost. No, Italy won, which was a relief because I would not have wanted to have been around these people who are yelling the whole time. At the top of their voices, they are yelling. Um, but again, it was something that Zach and I just, you know, he explained soccer to me. I don't know anything about soccer. He knows a lot about soccer. Um, was also here that Jeannie and I kind of celebrated our 20th anniversary. Um, she now can hold something above her, her sisters uh, and say that she spent, she celebrated her 20th anniversary by spending three weeks in Europe. And um, she'll make the most of that, I'm sure. <laughs> we got back, now we're on week four. So um, back to Traverse City, and the idea here did not work. I'd really hope, one of, the, one of the things I really, really, really wanted to do was to take the kids to see the rooms they were born in, two different hospitals. They weren't the least bit interested. As a matter of fact, Zach drove up in a separate car, stayed two days, and went back because he's in the middle at this point. The track or the cross-country team is starting to meet, and that's more important. Um, so, you know, short of of twisting arms and laying down the law and being an ogre, this is where things began to change a lot. Allie, Allie actually brought a couple friends with her, and we just kind of scuttled some of the plans and decided that part of this is about rest and relaxation, so um, we just did it. And when Zach was there, we had a great time. We had his senior pictures taken up there by Beth, who offered to do it. And, um, and then some family pictures, of which we'll get some, um, no doubt. We did take a car tour around the Leland Alpen Peninsula, and I don't know how many of you are familiar with the Leland Alpen Peninsula, but it is, it's kind of a little peninsula. My, this is my arthritic little finger, so it bends the wrong way. It should actually bend the other way, <laughs> and you'd have a, a peninsula coming out the center here, and you'd have two bays, East Bay and West Bay. Um, and the Leland Alpen Peninsula is the bay that, that takes you back out onto the main lake but that peninsula um, holds a lot of history for Jeannie and I. We were married in a little church on the peninsula. Most of our dating and courting, as I like to say, um, revolved around hiking on the peninsula and going to the beach on the peninsula and skiing at some of the ski resorts there on the peninsula. Um, and we both have, that, the, that's a fond area for us. Uh, dune climbs, all that stuff. So we did take Allie and her friends and we made the tour and we stopped at the church and we took pictures and we showed them all the little places that we dated and her friends were very polite (laughs) (laughs) and endured it all. This was also part of a very hard time for me. We met with some old friends and and when Zach was born, you all know Zach's adopted and um, we brought Zach home the day, he, the day after he was born, which was Mother's Day, 1997. And the neighbors down the street who were members of the church, the Barkles, um, at that point, they moved into our life. And they're like four houses down the lake from us. And they became surrogate grandma and grandpa, even though they're only like, well, seven, eight years older than Jeannie and I. Um, and so they became integral to our family. When we moved to Natchez, they came down each year to be with us for a while. And when we go back to Traverse City, we'd stay with them. Um, unbeknownst to us this past year, Steve has had several strokes. And the last couple of years, you know, we've, time does its thing. And we're involved with our kids. and and they're doing their own thing. And, you know, so it's the Christmas cards and, and birthday cards and the occasional phone call. And so Steve had these strokes, and the, the severity of it was never really communicated to us, probably for a lot of reasons. One of them, denial within the family itself. But we connected with Steve and Renee and, and met them 
at a restaurant to start with. And it was during dinner that I began to um, realize the, the degree to which his life has been altered by his strokes. Um, his, his ability to think clearly, his ability to keep up with a story. Um, the memories are all in place, thanks be to God. But it just struck me as one of those things that, you know, the, the change of life. Uh, I'm getting older. They're getting older. My kids are getting older. Um, it's one of those evenings where, and, th- and that's, you know, after meeting all my old senior highs who are now gray and uh, have kids of their own, it put a different twist on that experience. Here I am marveling at, at these kids and what they've become. And then I have this time with Stephen Renee in which I see, you know, the other thing that time does, which isn't always glorious and wonderful, but it's part of life. Um, we did see lots of other old and dear friends, but um, that, one, that one sticks with me and, and um, will continue to be part of my, my processing. Week nine, we find ourselves back in um, Canton. One very real realization that families can go on sabbaticals, but the house in the yard does not. (laughs) If you've driven by the house at all, even recently, you'll notice it's not like it usually is. I'm a little anal about my home and my gardens, and there are more weeds this year than flowers and plants, and it's very distressing to me and very, um, not very not good, but um, it is what it is. We've said that a lot this summer. It is what it is. Um, and the winter will kill them all, and I'll get a fresh start in the spring. <laughs> another miracle. Um, another opportunity to learn to relax. Um, it's hard to be, it's one thing to relax when you're away, you're expected to. But when you're at home, it's very hard for me to relax. And, um, and I had to work into it. I removed 13 stumps this week. We had a big kill off with the winter and they also put new water lines up our street and it killed a whole hedge that we had along the road. And so I'd spent the early part of the week pulling these stumps. And, um, but as the week went on, I learned to read again. Part two, I learned to read theology here. Um, There's a difference of reading theology for purpose, which is what most of my theological reading is about. I have to teach something, I need to know something. It's another to read theology because you feel a call to it or a need to know something or a desire to be um, wrapped in it. Uh, And so um, I've kind of rebirthed the need and the love for that again. Which, which is, for me, wonderful. That may sound boring as dirt to you, but um, to me, it was, it was a pretty wonderful time. Week 10 is uh, on the Pine Ridge Reservation. I've already preached about the car catastrophe. Um, got to the airport only to be told by the good people at uh, Hertz that my driver's license had expired, and they could not rent me a car, and I'm in this dingy, it's not that dingy, it just seemed very dingy at the time, small airport on Saturday afternoon, there's nobody around anywhere. Um, but another, le- le- another lesson in dependence. Uh, not independence, but a lesson in dependence. Um, and I've already preached on this a bit. By the way, out in the field you'll see these um, statue, statues, Excuse me. they're called sentinels, they're stone. And the Indians put them up in various places, Native Americans in various places, to look after the land, to be watch, to keep watch. And if you are there alone, they keep you company. Um, and it, it's a strange and wonderful thing. Uh, more on that some sermon, I'm sure. Um, but the dependence thing, the Looking Elk family, um, I've met them once briefly in a parking lot. I mentioned that in the sermon. Uh, as our group, mission group was moving in to do some work on the reservation, they met us there to kind of orient us. And, and yet, uh, Terry, um, there's uh, Simon and Levon, they are grandma and grandpa. And then 
and he's the Simon's the minister of the church in the reservation. Then there's Terry, their older son, and then his son Jeremy, Jeremiah. Um, and Terry met me at the. I called him. I said, I don't know what to do. Can you loan me a car? Do something. Um, Terry and Jeremiah basically drove me around for a week. And there are amazing theological implications there, which we will be talking about significantly. Um, matter of fact, it is my plan at this point in early November to have um, Levon and Terry and Jeremiah here to talk with us uh, about Native American spirituality, about their lives, uh, about life on reservations. They have an awful lot to teach us. Um, and we have a lot to offer them. The whole thing of sacred space um, will unfold uh, continuously as sacred story. Uh, it's amazing to me how Terry can put his life um, together in story form uh, and how it connects with ancient story. Truly amazing. Uh, their worldview is significantly different and that has amazing implications for their faith, their Christian faith, uh, and what it calls them to and what it calls them to be, how it calls them to live. Um, and again, significant, I think, uh, implications for, for you and for me. Did I skip one? No oh, darn. How do I go back? That's not it. That's it. Nope, I didn't miss one. Um, Jeannie will tell you about week 11 next week. <laughs> week 11, I know what it is. Week 11 was back at home, back in Canton. Um, again, trying to relax, trying to, to keep this church out of my mind. And the heart of that becomes, that, the heart of that becomes is completely uh, dependent on how close I am, I've discovered. Um, so I'll try to fill that one in later. Week 12, <laughs> uh, the Abbey of Gethsemane in um, Kentucky. Um, again, complete quiet here, no talking. Uh, but this did not, I did not seem to be in the way there. I didn't feel in the way. I, I, I didn't get the sense that I was in the way. Um, silence here was very comfortable. Worship was mediocre but that's in relation to what I got in Plus Garden where, there's, where they sing Gregorian chant all the time. What I will say about the brothers here, they didn't seem as um, involved with their worship life as they did in Scotland. Um, and I, I mean that only as a critique, not as a judgment. It, um, the worship here was not as, as engaging as it was in Europe. Maybe that's just because I was in a new place in time. I don't know. But um, here I tried to take up running again. Um, those of you who know me um, know that for many, many years I was a runner. And when I was 35, I came down with adult set asthma. And that's one of those stories in my life that I recuperated, uh, recouped, by the way. Um, when I was 30, it was 34. I was absolutely sure, beyond a doubt, I had cancer. Um, within two weeks' time, I was running, I was doing eight, 10, 12s. So eight miles one day, 10 miles the next, 12 the next, day off, start over. In two weeks' time, I couldn't run a mile. My lungs were just, and so I'm thinking, I've got cancer, I've got cancer. Well, it turned out to be um, asthma. And got that taken care of, but I'd forgotten all about that. Luckily for me, I got it back. Um, anyway, I've, I've had this, uh, running for me has always been a way of prayer. And I have missed my running significantly. I was able to get back into it until I hit 40, and then I had hip issues, which I have not had since then, but it's convinced me I can't run. So I decided at Gethsemane, before I got there, that I was going, because they've got 5,000 acres of woodland and farmland, that I would try running again. It, it worked to a degree, then I hurt my knee, and now I'm still working on my knee. 
but I really hope to get back to it. It will not be 8, 10, 12s, I know that. Um, but I, I, I began to understand again on, on sabbatical just what it had meant to me and what it did for me, both in terms of my physical health and my spiritual health. Um, and I found no meaningful way to replace it. The elliptical doesn't cut it in the why. It just doesn't cut it. Um, I need the woods and such a place to run. The last week, um, Allie goes off to South Dakota with the mission group here. Um, this is into the 14th week when she comes back and has had a really a life-altering experience out there. Um, more on that later, I'm sure. Zach goes to cross-country camp, and I get to help. Uh, I forgot a parenthesis sign there, or a quotation sign there. Um, I've discovered that when your son, I'm, I'm also bragging here, by the way, I've discovered when your son is captain of the cross-country team that you are also <laughs> captain of the cross-country team. And so I had to go sleep in a tent for uh, three nights with uh, this group, and it was actually quite wonderful. But it also reminded me that I was ready to get back. And actually, I felt, I was feeling really two weeks before I was due back that it was time. That it was really time to, to get back. I'd, I'd accomplished what I was hoping to accomplish uh, in so many ways. Um, but I was, I was ready to come back, which leads me to the final, really, thing. And that, Lots of realizations, lots of insights. Um, I expect many, many more to be born out of continued reflection and prayer and conversation. But the one true essential and imperative that seems to come through to me again and again is the, the place of home. Um, my family's home, my church home, what my life ultimately revolves around. You can travel to the ends of the earth. You can spend these wonderful times in wonderful places. But ultimately, you come back. And it is only here that I will be able to add any meaning to what has happened. It's only here that, that ultimately God will give me enough rest to, um, to really reflect on what, what has happened. And I'm excited about that, but it's also, I'm finding, rather scary. Sermons right now are terribly difficult to write. Um, I do not feel, interestingly enough, I do not feel like I am nourishing you folks at all right now in terms of sermons. Um, and, I, and I can't even tell you why. I, you know, and, and several of you already said, well, don't worry, you are. But it, it's kind of an interesting kind of place to be this I'm, I'm back but I'm but I know I'm not completely back I know I'm I've been gone but I'm no longer gone I'm back and it's just going to take time I imagine um, in the whole scope of things three months isn't all that much time in a lifetime and yet um, it's managed to do some interesting things to my my sense of balance and, and life um, that's it for now I probably raised as many questions as I answered maybe not um, we've got about three minutes if anybody has any questions I'm glad to entertain them <laughs> or we can go to worship let's pray Precious God, it is good to see faces staring back at me. Familiar faces, uh, faces of good people, your people, your church. We have worshipped, or we now head off to worship, but in both cases, we know we will leave this place having met you along the road somewhere today. So I ask you to bless this time that we've had and are having that when we do leave this place, we may go out into this world uh, ready to be your church in action, ready to be people of faith, living faithfully. Guide us and guard us in what we do, but also bless us to the things you would call us to. 
And all this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. One last comment. And I didn't say it at the beginning. Um, but I, and I hope I've said it enough in various ways, but um, I remain phenomenally grateful to the congregation for the time away, for the support, for the prayers, um, for the inquisitiveness you've had about what went on and what's happening, and, and maybe even for your worries about what it means for us. Uh, I hope there aren't too many worries about it, but... Um, as we know, our experiences always come back to play their role in our lives. and So we'll see where it all takes us. But thank you again for the privilege and the opportunity to do what I did. Uh, not many pastors get such an opportunity. And I remain incredibly thankful to the Libby, or the Lilly Foundation, for the fact that it didn't cost you anything. <laughs> One of the more important aspects of the whole thing. Let's go worship the Lord.